So I'm Louis. Um, I get to speak at a couple of churches, which is really good and fun. Um, I love to encourage, and if I'm not doing it in a church and doing it on Facebook or something like that, where I'm just trying to encourage those around me. Um, but there's something special about being in your home church and being able to encourage your people, uh, your family. So I'm honored and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. So thank you. Should we start with a joke? Yeah. Come on, start with a joke. Uh, there was this uh, a, a group of um, not so good looking people on a coach. And unfortunately, uh, they had an accident and they all died. They got to heaven and God is waiting for them at heaven. And he's like, look, you've had it hard. You've you've had it hard. So I want to give you one wish as you enter into heaven. What's that one wish? Someone says, I want to be gorgeous. Another person says, I want want to be gorgeous too. One big guy says, I want to be beautiful. And he's God looking down the line, the guy at the back is going, he's, he's laughing his head off and he's nearly on the floor. He's like, this is crazy. And then God continues to bless the guys and says, okay, what do you want? He's got like the last 10 people. What, what, what do you want? He goes, I want to be beautiful too. And eventually he gets to the guy who's laughing and by the time he gets to, he's on the floor in hysterics. The guy goes, I want them to be ugly. <laughs> I thought that was a little funny. Stand with me, come on. Let's do this. If you've got your Bibles, hold your Bibles. If not, it should be hidden in your heart by now. Hold your heart. If not, your smartphone or whatever like that. And repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. And I believe it. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I have the desire determination and discipline to be all God has called me to be. If you believe it, high five your neighbor and have a seat. Right. I've got my trainers on, my t-shirt on because I'm going to work out with you today, all right? That means someone's shouting and getting a little bit sweaty on stage. The title, Renovating Your Life. The word renovate is to restore something old, especially a building, to a good state of repair. Now, I would imagine about 90% of you in here would admit that somewhere in your house needs some kind of renovation. The other 10% of you are lazy and won't admit it. (laughs) Jesus would be, um, he would understand this word. He'd be familiar with the word renovation. He was a carpenter. And a carpenter wouldn't just play with wood as we know them today. They built structures at the time. His his father was a a carpenter, and he was born and raised in around an area where a huge big temple was was being created, or renovated, if you wish. In his teaching, he would use words like, uh, or or, or metaphors and and imagery about construction. The most famous of them would be, whoever hears these words of mine and does them would be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock, not like uh, a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. It's important that we understand that, or he was trying to get in that particular scripture, he's trying to say that our life is like this building that's being created, and that you want to build it on good principles, on the kingdom principles, on God's principles, rather than the world's ways, which is like the sand. You want it on the solid rock. As a building surveyor, I appreciate how important it is to build on a solid foundation. No matter all the houses that I see, no matter how beautiful they are inside, how much money is being spent, if the foundations are weak, that house is not going to stand. Cracks will start to appear. 
When I was at uni uh, in building pathology, the lecturer said, and I'll never forget, he says, every house is alive. It's moving, it's breathing, it's constantly changing. And over time, there's this product life cycle, a property life cycle. It starts new and eventually it gets old and it needs renewal, it needs repair, it needs renovation. So the question I would ask you this morning, given that our life is this building structure and we are living and breathing and changing constantly, are there areas of your life that requires repair and renovation? I bought a property recently in Dunstable, so if you're around the area, come and say hello. No, no, don't. That would be a bad idea, especially if you've got kids. Kids like to touch white walls. Not, not cool for me, trust me. Don't bring them to my house at all. Don't, don't do that. As a bad, scrub it out. <laughs> don't do yeah, don't come and see me. Um, the important, I, I, I realised that the house needed a lot of repairs. So I got with it and just got on and done what I could do. Uh, and I felt God speaking to me as I was going through the process. And there was five main things, five main areas that he was speaking to me. And I want to share them with you to encourage you not to just uh, renovate your own homes, but renovate your life house. Father Lord, I ask you that you just be here right now. That you would impact me to speak to your people. And that the hearts would be ready to receive we love you and we dishonor you right now in Jesus' name. The first of the points is vision. My mother is uh, an interior designer. She's very creative, awesome stuff. So we're moving into this house now and she's like, well, you need mood boards. Show them the mood boards. We need mood boards. And these mood boards are essentially the designs. That's my living room on the left and my dining room on the right. It's the mood boards are concepts of how the room should look eventually. Familiar with mood boards, anybody? Mm, I wasn't. <laughs> so you have little Joe Bloggs walking around Dunelms and all these new places I've never been to before. With my mood board trying to work out, will this fit in this room? Because if it wasn't for the mood board, I would just buy whatever's cheap and cheerful. The problem with that is that if you buy cheap and cheerful stuff and whatever's just available, you put them in the room, it doesn't match. So the mood board was like a vision for each of my rooms. Oh man, I was grateful for mum, trust me. In life, we need to have a vision. The Bible says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. You need to have some kind of direction. Otherwise, we walk around aimlessly, just doing every day for the sake of doing every day. But if you have a vision, you have somewhere to go. You ponder your footsteps on where you're going. You create a good life. You create a good structure. You create a good room if you have a vision. As long as you've got good taste, right? <laughs> it's a bit like a ship. A ship looks good in a harbour, but who knows? A ship was never made to stay in the harbour. It's to go out on voyage. Now, that ship has two options. Set sail and let the wind take it wherever it wants to go. The problem with that is that the wind can take you to places you do not want to go. And it can take you back to places you're trying to get away from if you just let the wind take you wherever. Or you can be like the clever guy or the sailor, puts down the sails and says, I'm going to go from London to New York. I'm going to plot. Let's do something better than New York. London to Barbados. There we go. <laughs> London to Barbados, not Jamaica. Bypass that island. Let's go to Barbados. <laughs> and we plot the course. And we've got a direction. And on that course, 
he's constantly referring back to his map and saying, I'm going this way. I'm not going left to the right when it gets a little harder. I'm focusing. I've got somewhere to go. It's important in life. We have a vision and we write it down. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 to 3. Habakkuk was in a position where he's asking God some questions. He says, please answer me. God answers, says, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so so it can be read on the run. The vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. God is saying, write down the vision and make it plain. Write it so simple that a runner, you in your everyday life, running around, going from work to work to home to work, wherever you need to go, can look at the vision and be reminded of where you should be going. Write it down. My encouragement to you is to sit with God and say, speak to me, Lord. Where am I going? Where should I, what should I be focusing on? Because if you can write the vision down, you can wake up and see it first thing in the morning. You can put it on your mirror to remind you what you should be doing. When you're getting stressed out, you can refer back to the vision and the promises that he said that you would have. Write down the vision. And I'll be testing you because I'll be walking around next week asking you, what's your vision? Don't fumble your words. Understand. it. Take it seriously. This is your life. This is his life given to you. What are we doing with our time? Write down the vision. The issue is this. On that journey, when you have the vision, you have people out there called the vision grabbers to try and take away your vision. Those are the people who will deter you and say, you can't do that. That's impossible. You're thinking too big. The truth is, if they don't laugh at your dream, you're not dreaming big enough, right? Let them laugh, but do not allow them to take away your vision. What I found, there are people who you've grown up with, and they're happy with you being on the same level ground. But as soon as you step out and say, I'm going to do something more, they get upset with that. And they can't support you in what you're doing. You know what that is? That's them saying, look, you're going to remind me. If you succeed, you will remind me what I could have been if I tried harder. Some people get comfortable and stuck in their positions and they do not want their neighbours to push forward because of them, they feel intimidated themselves. They shouldn't compare to their neighbour. They've got their own race to do, right? But it's the nature of the beast. Be careful of the vision grabbers that you don't spend too, many, too much time with them to pull you down so you stay where you are. Your vision allows you to move forward. You should be progressing and moving forward constantly. On this journey, again, some have given up. You've had a great vision. you still got that vision. You remember what God said to you years ago, but you have given up. Why? Because it became too hard. Because you stumbled and you fell. And now you're a little embarrassed about picking back up again because you don't want the embarrassment again. My encouragement to you, and I feel God is saying to us, is pick up that baton and run again. Some of you have succeeded in the vision part way and you've now got comfortable with what God's been given to you your success is is preventing you from succeeding even further so on the success note move forward again don't get comfortable and where you are I'm talking about self-humiliation in the sense that you should say I've been blessed and it's, it's good yes be grateful for what has been given but with the gifts and talents that you have been given he will expect a return that's scripture The truth of the matter is, whatever you focus on, and I believe that everyone has a vision, it's whatever you're focusing on at that time. Whatever you focus on, your time, energies, and talents will go into what you're focusing on. So have a good vision that you can focus on that. 
And that will help some of you who are trying to come out of broken relationships where he or she is trying to entertain you. And you know that at times you get weak because you get lonely and tired and you need to go back to something. But if you have a vision, you will not be constantly entertained by this mess. You'll be focused on what you need to do. Jesus, you said I will go here. You said I will do this. You said I would have this. Rather than being entertained by these things that try to pull you down. Hmm. Example for me. I'm a single guy. I can't wait to get married. I've had a vision of my wife. I can't see her face, but I see that she was worshipping. I see what she's doing. I've held my child. So in my journey, and although I'm for a long time, I got 18, I was saved. I'm now 32. That's a long time to be about somebody or be intimate. I could get distracted quite easily. That's me being candorous to you. But with that, I have a vision he gave me, and I will work all my, even my, work my butt off. I'm going to work myself off. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to work everything to get that vision, because that vision was sweet to me. That vision was awesome. It kept me going. It's keeping me going. So when they come to the left and say, Louis, let's get a little son, little jiggy. No, no, I don't want to get jiggy with you. You're not the right person. I've seen her worship. I've seen my son. I've held my son. Because I had vision, I've written it down. It's clean. Pentecostal coming out. <laughs> Have vision and write it down. The second point is preparation. As I was going, sorry, my father's here and he's a panel beater. Dad, wave, hello. He's a panel beater. And growing up, I used to watch him as a young boy spend hours preparing panels to spend minutes spraying. Preparation is more important than the finish. And in the house, it was much the same. I'm trying to do all this paint stuff, and everyone says, you need to fill all the cracks and all the blemishes, because when you paint, you're going to see through them. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Dulux costs money, right? And I'm making that Dulux work throughout that house, right? There's no two coats. There's one coat. It's going to work. The problem is, I can see underneath the paint that it's not right. And I'm upset because I waste my money. I have to go back and rub down again and then paint again to make sure it looks good. I realized something else as well. You need to have good tools. And there's a tool for everything. My goodness, I'm using a hammer and chisel for everything. It's wrong. There's a tool for everything. Don't we as people focus on the outward appearance constantly? It's the nature of society and the pressures of society. We focus on the outward rather than the inward, but God is not like that. He is a God who looks on the internal and wants the internal fixed, not just the outward looking good. He is interested in the inside and what's going on in your private thoughts, in your free thoughts. What are you thinking about? Because what you're thinking, you are or you are becoming. He's interested in those things. Hmm. 1 Samuel 16 and 7. Samuel's been told to anoint a new king and he's looking at this election and he's thinking in his mind, I will choose him. He looks big and strong. This is God's um, answer. Do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward but the Lord looks at the heart. He can see the areas that others can't. He can see into the areas that others can't. He is interested in your heart matters. He's interested in filling the cracks, the fractures, the blemishes of life. And at times, he will be a little rough because you need that sanding paper to rub down. And he will have to be real with you. 
but he is interested in spending time with you, and we should do the same. We should take a a step back, if you wish, and say, you know what? I need to fix me, because if I don't, it's going to start coming out in the wrong places. Whatever is hidden beneath will always rise to the surface eventually. It'd be around the dinner table when he said the wrong thing. She snapped. Where did that come from? That's come back from your past. Or when you're lonely, why are you going back to the same nonsense you've always gone to? Because you've not dealt with an issue that is deeply rooted within you. You can't cover up something he can already see. A good finish requires good preparation. The question of the night is, do you have the tools then to fix yourself? God is willing, but he's like, you know it's going to cost you something. These tools that I brought cost me something. I don't even know what they do, most of them. (laughs) They've cost me something. They cost me money, but for you fixing of you, it's going to cost you your time. 100%. It will cost you your time, the courses that you should go on in this church or externally that we can direct you to, to each individual problem can help you. Counseling, accountability partners, prayer, fasting. Yes, fasting. Invested in good reads. What are you putting into you? There's a whole host of tools you could use and pull on. You cannot say, you cannot attend this church and say there's no help. There's a whole host of tools that you can use to say, you know what, I'm going to spend time getting healed. We're having a great course. Equip courses. Restore, which is happening next year, so ask about that. Great, where we can go deep to some of the things from the past. But at times we don't like to look at the past or deal with the past because it's painful. But he's like, I want you whole. God says, I want you as a package. Not just to look good on the outside, but inside being completely whole. My encouragement to you is between you and your groups, between you and your connect groups and friends, find people that you can be real with. There's something about bearing the soul to somebody that brings healing. Be open with each other. The issue is, I think in society, we look at each other and we compare each other all the time. He's got it well together. That means I can't share my problems with them. Why don't we let the guard down a little bit and say, actually, I haven't got it all together. I'll be the first to admit, I'm on a journey where I'm trying to get better. Hmm. Point number three, old things can become new. So in my dining room, it's not a huge space at all, and I need a a dining room table. See, to buy a dining room table, it would take the whole room up. It's that small. So I thought, let's be creative. Let's go and buy a bar. (coughs) Didn't work for me. I went to Ikea. It cost so much money. This thing was costing like £300 for a piece of wood. I said, this is not going to happen. I ain't spending my money. Not me. No way. So I said, right, I'm going to call up an old contractor friend. His name is Heath. I used to work for the guys. And I said, do you have any old planks of uh, uh, scaffolding board? He goes, yep, but they're not really used for anything. They're redundant now. I said, okay, I'll have them. He goes, they're battered. I said, yeah, I'll have them. So he, he sends them to my dad's garage. I collect them and take them home. And I start to work on this wood the best I could. I started rubbing down. I started doing all I could to make them look nice. I said, I'm going to build my own bar. I'm not giving 300 pounds to no Ikea. Not at all. No way. No way. Who of you shops at Ikea? Who shops at John Lewis? You're invited to my house for the uh, war. Bring, bring a gift with you. Habitat, anyone for Habitat? You, yes, you are definitely coming. You, from along. Ikea is, I think it's an amazing place, but good Lord, my goodness. You've got to have patience. You'll test your spirit, trust me. 
I worked everything I had in me and all I knew to build a table. There's another picture uh, that should come up. And there's the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I felt so achieved. I was so happy because you know what? That was free. That cost me 30 pounds. And I was so impressed. I said, I couldn't believe I'd done that. Old things can become new. You know, we discount ourselves so much. We, 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 we say that we're too old, or we've made mistakes in the past, or I have a disability, or there's a language restriction, or there's problems at home, and we discount ourselves like old wood as if we can't be used. But God is in the business of using things like that. He wants to use people who've discounted themselves to say that I can't do it. <laughs> Look, throughout scripture, if you've got your Bibles, look into it because you'll find people like Jacob, who was a cheater, Peter, who had a temper, David, who had an affair, Noah was a drunk, Jonah ran away from God, Paul was a murderer, Gideon was insecure, Martha was a nervous wreck, it goes on, Sarah was impatient, Zacharias was short, Abraham was older, my favorite, Lazarus was dead. <laughs> but yet he could use a dead man. So, so if he can use a dead man and a donkey to speak to somebody, surely he can use me. We've discounted ourselves too much. Why didn't God just go to Ikea and buy something? Because he wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. He is for you and he wants you. He wants to use you as you are. You have a story and it's important. Your mess to a message. He wants to use you. So do not discount yourself at all. You may have discounted yourself, but he's not discounted you. As I was writing this out, some words came to me about transition. So I'll just try and speak into a couple people's lives about that. The first was parents. Some of you parents have been parents for a long time. And you've been defined by being a parent. But guess what? Your kids got old. They're leaving the house. And no longer you can be the parent that you used to be. You're still a parent, but you can't be the parent you used to be. You're transitioning. Where you was defined so long for just being a parent was wrong. You were more than a parent. That was your, that was your position for, me, for some time. But now you're in a position where you're stepping away from that. Don't be lost in that. You're not just Jacob's old mum. No, you still have work to do. If you're breathing, you have work to do. And he is transitioning you into a new season where you can start dreaming again and start living life. The other one I want to focus on is the people who are aging. You've looked past, you looked in the mirror and you're like, I don't look like I used to. My muscle tone is not like I used to. My, my face looks different. I'm, I'm, I'm older. And grappling with that, that I'm changing. My advice is to embrace the transition. Don't let your age be your cage. Not at all. You can do all things. If you're breathing, you still have purpose and you still have desire, you still are in need, and it's important. You have wisdom that younger people do not have, and it's time that you share that wisdom and be used. There's no such thing retirement in the kingdom of heaven. Number four, we can do things, we can do more things than we think. <laughs> I, used to, I grew up saying I'm not a hands-on person at all. Never. I watched my dad do his stuff, but I'm not touching that. I'd rather push a pencil. But look what I achieved in the house. It's come together and I'm like, I've done this. God, you've shown me how to do this stuff. And I'm well impressed. Problem is, we don't like to try new things in life. We get stuck doing the same old and keeping in the same routine. And we do the same stuff all the time. 
You become so familiar, I can look at you and say, I know what you're going to do next week. I know what you're into. Can we become unfamiliar even with ourselves? That we can go and try new things constantly and push ourselves out into places where we've never been. Rather than going on the same holiday to Tenerife because it's been a great hotel, we know Jeremiah over there. No, why don't we go to a new place and explore new land but have that creativity in us to say, actually, I won't just be defined by all that I've ever known. I'm going to look for new stuff. There are things he wants you to do which you said you could not do, but you're able to do. But it requires you to be brave. There's a quote from Madeleine L. Ingle. We have to be braver than we think we can be because God is constantly calling us to be more than we are. He wants us to step out of the boat, if you wish, onto the water, from the shore, onto that wave. He wants us to straighten our backs. What do I mean by that? Martin Luther King said it. He says, I like it when young people, men and women, straighten their backs. Why? Because the enemy can't ride you unless you're bent over. But there's a church that's arising. There's a people that is stepping up to the plate. We've been hidden for a long time, but he's asking us to straighten our backs, to try new things, to get out into the open and do what needs to be done. Because this is the generation that seeks his face. This is the generation that will push forward the gospel into this century. It is you, the neighbor next to you, the one that, yes, that one next to you, who has the power to change because God resides in that person. Straighten your backs, church. Be brave, be courageous, because we are the answers to many society's problems. And this is the faculty and unit that will be used to change the world. It's his initiative and it will come to pass. Whatever he starts must finish. That means you and me are part of that plan, yes? We must straighten our backs. We must get up strong and say, actually, I won't be intimidated to speak out. I will not be scared to try new things. I will not be scared to start the ministry, to start the business, to write the book, to sing that song. It's time to grow. (laughs) It's time to straighten your backs. Look at time, good Lord. Let his presence fill the house was the final one he spoke to me about. He says, Louis, you have this house. You have a spare bed. What do you do with your space? Lord, I want it for people to come and find rest, for healing, for joy. And if that's the case, you need to be here. So I ask you that your presence may remain here. That means when they walk in, they sense more than just a nice building. They sense his presence. Ask for his presence to be filled within their home. And in our lives, the same thing, right? In our life structure, that we should cultivate his presence. And that means spending time with him. That means not just running away quickly, just for a quick prayer in the morning and, and evening. Well, there's merit in that. But to spend quality time as you, you recognize it because you have to spend quality time with your children or your partner, the same with God to cultivate that relationship where his presence is ever, everlasting within you and ever prevalent. So when the people in your life come to you, they won't just recognize you, they recognize something more. They will say there's something about you. And that's the presence of God that you are carrying. Can I have the band to come up, please? It is that presence of God that sits within us. He is wanting us to form our attention on him. Because when he resides in the house, everything changes. My encouragement to you is to get to know him even more. Oh, we've been Christians for so long. 
and yet we still don't know him. He's unfathomable. He is deeper than we can imagine. We can't work him out, but let's spend more time with him. Because when he fills the house, even if it looks all shabby still and the cracks are still there, let those cracks leak him out. Even if you haven't got it all together and it doesn't look perfect and you can't afford habitat, Dunelm will have to do. But he's saying, I want you as you are. If anything, one thing you remember is that you ask God to fill you up and that you spend time with him. Because when people come to you, because ultimately your life house is not for you, it's for others. Let him come and fill you up. Bless you guys.